to me, okay, to me, ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. I mean, it is, it is easy for me to put on a show and be cocky yeah. and be flooded with a cocky feeling and then yeah. feel like pretty cool and all that. Or I can make all kinds of phony things, you see what I mean? Blinded by it. Or I can show you some really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, you know, that, my friend, is very hard to do and you have to train you have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it it's there the expression of the human body I mean the f everything I mean you know not just the hand and when you're talking about combat well I mean if, if, it, if it is a sport now now you're talking about something else you have regulations yeah. you have rules but when you're talking about fighting as it is oh. with no rules, real fighting well then baby you better train every part of your body I'm not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? Where you at, George? I like Big Dumb McCartney pulling me about folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody gonna take this bed. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud of fighting you. For you. Don't bring your dog out of me. I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what you don't is better yet. I fight for the fans. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I did it. I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Running water never grows stale, so you gotta just keep on flowing. Welcome back, Penn Nation. You're now tuned in to yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, and we have another great show lined up for you fine folks this evening. This is the Fighter's Voice, the voice of the fans, BJPenn.com Radio. We're live each and every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And every week, guys, we try to bring you the best show with the best guests and some awesome interviews. We're the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans, and on this show, guys, we try to give these athletes a platform to speak their minds, speak their hearts, get it all off their chest, and quite frankly, not have to worry, whether it be judgment or um, shilling to companies, whatever the case is. Listen, no voice too little, no topic too controversial or too cliche, unfiltered, unbiased, we are the Fighter's Voice. This is BJPenn.com Radio. Tonight's lineup, guys, another great one. But before we get into that, I tell you fine folks at Penn Nation each and every week, your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. Make sure you bookmark that for all the latest and greatest in the sport that you love of mixed martial arts. All the hot topics, the breaking news, the viral videos, Exclusive content, all that stuff that you crave, all in one place, one-stop shopping. And as I've said over and over uh, throughout these past few weeks, rather, new technique videos every week. 
Looks like we're posting a lot of stuff from uh, the Gracie Brothers now, Evolve, M- Evolve MMA. Awesome stuff. Make sure you guys check it out. Some of the best in the business, some of the best athletes in the business, bringing you guys technique videos, technique breakdowns, really cool stuff. All of that at BJPenn.com. We're the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. We greatly appreciate all the continued support, and we love you for that, Penn Nation. Make sure you guys find us on social media. Set up alerts. Like I said, bookmark the site. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+. You know where to find us. Make sure you give us that like, that follow. And as I always say, man, stay up to date. This is a sport that we all love, and it's only right that you get all the breaking news before everybody else does. So as I mentioned, a couple of great guests, another great lineup. Kicking things off, just a few minutes here, um, maybe 8.15. I don't have too much news I want to ramble on about this evening, but there's some stuff to cover. Coming up here in just a few minutes, number three ranked UFC flyweight, a gentleman challenging the pound-for-pound king this weekend at UFC 215. That's in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. September 9th, taking on Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Of course, I'm talking about Ray, the Tex-Taz-Mexican devil. I always want to call him Tex-Executioner, but that's James Vick. The Taz-Mexican devil, Ray Borg. We're just days removed. Biggest fight of his career. Had a great conversation with him. Let me tell you something. Based on what I heard from the guy, he's ready to go out there and steal the show uh, up in Canada at UFC 215. You know, DJ's looking to break this record, become the only champion with 11 title defenses, breaking Anderson Silva's record. Everybody considers DJ to be the best, pound for pound king. I would agree. But Ray Borg is ready to go spoil that party. We'll get a breakdown of the fight. We'll preview the fight. Hear about how he intends to steal the show from, uh, from Demetrius and become one of the youngest champions in UFC history. 24 years of age. He's still very young. This is a big opportunity for him. And as I've said, it sounds like he's ready to seize that opportunity. We'll talk a bit about the game plan, what he thinks all of uh, Demetrius Demetrius's previous opponents at 125 have been lacking, and quite frankly, why he thinks he's the guy to end this run, dethrone the king. Talk a little bit about uh, Mayweather McGregor, and as always, great conversation with Ray Borg. He's a great guy. Uh, pleasure to have him on the show each and every time. So that's our first guest. The Taz Mexican Devil, Ray Borg. Great interview with him. I know you guys will enjoy it. Our second guest, closing out tonight's show. NFC welterweight champ, former Bellator welterweight champ. You'll hear me say it in the beginning of the interview. In my opinion, the most dominant wrestler, if not grappler in general, to ever step into the sport of mixed martial arts. He's coming off yet another incredible, lopsided, dominant victory at 1FC in Shanghai over the weekend. The man they call Funky, Ben Askren. 
I'm not even going to try to say his opponent's name. But it looks like Sebastian, Sebastian Ketestamen, maybe? Okay, that's where I'm going to leave it. Regardless, this poor soul was on the opposite end of quite a beatdown. And Ben made a lot of news with this fight. Not only was it yet another dominant performance to add to his long list of of dominant performances, but it was announced that he'd retire after his next fight. And that his retirement fight would be against a well-known grappler in his own right, very popular, especially with the hardcore fans, Shinya Aoki. That was a pleasant surprise for the majority of us hardcores. And it was also announced that Ben would get an executive position within the company at 1FC. Very cool stuff. So we talk about a lot of things. Clearly, decision to retire, how long he's been planning this. He said some things in uh, previous interviews this week that not enough guys know when to when to hang it up and when to walk away and to go out on top and to realize that you hit an age where you might not just fall off the ledge, but you can slowly feel your body deteriorating. And when that time comes, it's time to leave because this is the hurt business. So we talk a lot about the retirement. Of course, the matchup with Shinya Aoki. I couldn't get too much out of him in regards to the executive position within 1FC. But spoiler alert, they will not be buying him a Lamborghini. Good conversation with a good dude. Brilliant mind in the business. And of course, we'll talk a bit about uh, you know what he wants his legacy to leave for future up-and-coming athletes that might want to replicate his style or maybe some of the students that he coaches. Great interview, Ben Askren, the funky one himself. So, two great guests, two very relevant guests. This is BJPenn.com Radio. News. Before we even get into news, BJPenn.com, we're pretty proud to uh, to announce that, that you guys will be able to watch UFC 215 on the website, via Fight TV, that's F-I-T-E TV. Make sure you guys check that out, especially international viewers and, and anybody on the go. Uh, we're very happy about this partnership. They've partnered up with the UFC. Pretty cool stuff. More in the everyday expansion of BJPenn.com, and we appreciate all the support, guys. So fight announcements and rumors. Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway. That's being targeted for UFC 218 in Detroit, Michigan. I think that's the fight that everybody thought was going to happen. That should happen, whatever the case is. But apparently it is finally being targeted for for an event at a location, you know, with the venue, et cetera. Uh, Karolina Kovalkiewicz, she has a, a UFC newcomer for an opponent. She'll be fighting at UFC Fight Night in Poland. Cub Swanson, he's targeting his return for the end of the year. And a photo of uh, Carlos Condit came out this past week that has everybody hoping that uh, he's about ready to return as well. Lord knows everybody's a Carlos Condit fan. If you're not, you don't have a pulse. So I'd be very happy to see him return, but only on his own terms. I mean, that guy took a lot of punishment. He talked a lot about not wanting to take this punishment, especially if he wasn't going to be the champion. So 
So I can't say I blame the guy for taking some time off, let the brain heal, come back in better form. And, uh, but again, we've all missed him. Jose Aldo, he wants to fight at UFC 217, says he'll fight against anybody. And speaking of Karolina Kovalkiewicz, Joanna Janjacek says her fight announcement is right around the corner, says it's in- imminent. We've talked about who that could possibly be, whether it be Rose Namajunas, there's a couple other names floating around, but says she'll have an announcement soon. Let's recap uh, UFC Rotterdam. Card delivered for sure. Alexander uh, Volkov. Third round TKO over Stefan Struve. Big, big victory for Alexander. Ciara Bahadurzada also took a home a, a big TKO win. Merbek Tysonov, he looked great as well. Lots of finishes on this card. But the dude who impressed me the most, and I think anybody who watched the card from front to back, you guys all know who I'm talking about. I'm now going to attempt to butcher his name. Zabit Magomed Shapirov. That guy looks sensational. Incredible kicks, leg dexterity. I mean, not to mention a nasty squeeze that goes along with all of that kick-ass striking. Man. Keep your eyes on this guy. I don't know what it'll look like as he continues to step up in competition, but as far as new prospects emerging out of the scene this year, he's one of my top picks for sure. But yeah, great card. UFC routed him. As I said, certainly, certainly delivered for all those fans, with the exception of, of course, Stefan Struve not getting the win. But from what, from what I saw, I think a lot of the other Dutchmen won. Anyway, uh, John Jones passes blood test right after UFC 214. Makes this whole occurring of events even more strange now. DC spoke up about it, talked about Jones and his legacy, said something to the effect of, uh, you know, unfortunately... John has screwed up all this, you know, all of these times, but I don't think he'd ha- he had to be the wild one doing these things, and he still could have been great. Again, I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, much more on this story to come at bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. You guys know we've got you covered there. Make sure you stay tuned. Um, and, of course, we talked about it a bit. One of our guests tonight, Funky Ben Askren. It's crazy that he's going to retire. And, you know, in this conversation, there's a ton of stuff I would have wanted to ask him, but for the sake of not repeating interviews that he had already been on earlier this week, of course you want to say, hey, man, it's a crime that you never got to fight in the UFC. Hey, man, you've done this incredible thing with your career, and you've taken virtually no damage, made a ton of money, and you're walking away on your own terms at the height of your career. What more can you ask for? I mean, the guy really is something else that doesn't get enough credit. But, of course, you'll hear about uh, a lot more of that in just a moment here. Numbers are coming out for uh, Mayweather-McGregor. <coughs> Excuse me. Apparently, they did a $55 million gate. Pay-per-view numbers should be in soon. Uh, Steven Espinoza had been talking about why they take so long. I mean, look, what do you want from the world? There's a ton of calculating. There's... Uh, post-fight buys, there's, uh, you know, on-demand stuff, a lot of things to consider when you're trying to tally up that final number. 
And Connor's coach, uh, Owen Roddy, says we not we might not see McGregor back inside the octagon in 2017. Now, that was something that he had talked about going into the Mayweather fight, said he would fight before the end of the year. Looks like that might not be as much of a reality as everybody had hoped. But we'll see how that all plays out. So there you have it, guys. That's some of the MMA news from this week. For all the best, all the latest and greatest, all the breaking, the viral videos, all of it. Exclusive content, great interviews. You know where to go. The fighter's voice and the voice of you guys, the fans. For everything you love from the sport you crave, ladies and gentlemen, BJPenn.com, we've got you covered. I think I've uh, chatted your ear off enough. Let's get right into it. Kicking things off for our guest list tonight. Challenging for the title and the co-main event at UFC 215, the flyweight title for that matter, fighting Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, the Taz Mexican Devil, Ray Borg. Like I said, Awesome conversation with this guy. Can't say enough about him. And I think he is a legitimate threat to the excellence that has been Mighty Mouse uh, so far at 125 pounds. So without wasting any more time, let's jump right into it. BJ Pencom Radio. Coming up next, the Tez Mexican Devil, Ray Borg. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the number three ranked flyweight in the UFC, the Taz Mexican Devil, Ray Borg. Ray, thanks for taking the time, as always, to speak with us, man. We're just days removed from the biggest fight of your career. First things first, how was your training camp? Uh, training camp's been, you know, perfect. I couldn't have had a better training camp. You know, I, uh, I added on a new strength conditioning coach, new wrestling coach, um, pretty much just mapped out the best fight camp and the best team I can have behind me for this fight. So, you know, I couldn't have a planned fight camp any better. So where did you actually have fight camp for this? Was it at the BMF ranch or were you with uh, Jackson Wink for this one? I'm actually, I was actually at Jackson Wink. You know, I've always been at Jackson Wink. Every once in a while I'd go up to BMF ranch just to hit some pads with Brandon. But okay. I uh, primarily do my whole camp at Jackson Wink. So you mentioned a new strength and conditioning coach. I mean, that's a big portion of this game, and a lot of people talk about how that's one of the most important things uh, a fighter can really focus on once you get all of the technique and skill down. Uh, I'd, I'd imagine this has been a really big uh, really big deal for you uh, as far as uh, your ability to go out there and have a great performance. Yeah, you know, I've uh, added on uh, Lawrence Herrera, um, who does, uh, you know, he's a... Uh, He's uh he's under he owns Lawrence for performance and uh you know performance ranch Donald Cerrone's strength and conditioning coach you know it was really important for me to add him onto my camp for this fight just because just naturally training for a fight I, I can do three rounds like no problem but just to make sure we can go those extra two rounds without a problem against DJ uh you know Lawrence has a great understanding of the conditioning part of the the sport so adding him on was just you know a really good a really good choice for me to make sure that all five rounds are going to be a breeze. Yeah, so in regards to, to changing things up and having to fight five rounds here, uh, I'd imagine you're feeling pretty comfortable with this. I mean, how many rounds did you get to put in sparring-wise uh, going a full 25 minutes? Um, Yeah, you know, uh, I, f- I feel really good going 25 minutes. You know, I, uh, I have great lungs. I have great cardio. You know, cardio's never been an issue for me ever. So, you know, I don't imagine why five rounds would be any harder. You know, I've... Uh, 
I have a great team behind me, and, you know, they made sure we did the proper sparring sessions, the right amount of sparring uh, rounds to to go 25 minutes properly, you know, not overdoing it, not underdoing it, just making sure we uh, we get in the right amount of rounds to go a full 25 minutes if we have to. So in regards to, to sparring partners and things of that nature, who did you work with primarily for this camp? And I'm wondering was what kind of adjustments did you guys make to prepare for a guy like Demetrius? Well, you know, as far as sparring partners go, um, you know, I had a little bit of everybody. Jackson Wink has a, a big selection of sparring partners. Yeah. Especially for, you know, stylistically wise, just about everybody style wise and body type wise. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, some guys down here from China who are really good wrestlers. And then, you know, uh, a big factor behind this camp was having John Dotson as a sparring partner who spent 50 minutes with yeah. Demetrius and knows Demetrius, Demetrius, strengths and Demetrius's weaknesses. So, you know, having him in my camp was a really big part of it. Having him as a sparring partner, having his insight, you know, it was uh, it was really nice to have Dotson a part of the camp for this fight. Yeah, that's priceless to have a guy that, that's been in there for so much time with your opponent. And like you said, knows his strengths, knows his weaknesses, maybe his tendencies, things to look out for, that kind of thing. But as we all know, DJ's widely considered the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. He has uh, not yet tasted defeat at flyweight. What makes you uh, what makes you feel th- that you're the biggest threat to his title? Um, I really think I'm the biggest threat to, uh, to his title reign just because stylistically I match up with him well. I mean, I I scramble really well. I I'm able to mix my striking with I I'm able to blend my striking with my takedowns and my jujitsu really well. But really, uh, you know, there's just so much pressure for DJ trying to make sure he gets this 11th win and keeps the bosses happy. And really, I'm 24 years old with not a damn thing to lose and you know I can go in there just to you know let all hell break loose and be fine I mean I have nothing to lose and I'm young I'm hungry I'm healthy and I think it's gonna pro uh you know it's gonna cause a big problem for DJ on fight night uh when he steps in front of me and he realizes how bad I want this title and how hungry I am I don't feel like he's been against a vicious competitor like me I don't feel like he's ever gone against a competitor with my abilities and can pose a threat on the ground like I can. I mean, Wilson was a great BJJ practitioner, but like I said, he's a BJJ practitioner. He's just jiu-jitsu. He doesn't know how to blend his striking, his ground and pound all together with the jiu-jitsu game, which is why DJ ended up catching, you know, a high-level black belt like that. And I really don't see any of that happening with me. Yeah, that's definitely a, a, a very important facet of this game is being able to mix it all up and you know, for instance, GSP, uh, everybody always had always talked about the unpredictability of blending the striking with the grappling. Uh, so very important point there. Uh, you touched on the, uh, the title defenses, and I'd like, to, I'd like to get to that in a moment, but uh, recently you had said that you plan to beat him into retirement. He's replied in, in, in the past couple of days by saying he ain't retiring shit. Those are some pretty strong words going into this one. What makes you so confident against him? Like, is there something that you specifically see that his opponents haven't had a chance to exploit in previous fights? Or do you just think that you're really that bad of a matchup for him? Um, I think I think it's a little bit of both. I really think that, you know, I have all the confidence in the world that I can go in there and beat DJ in every asset. You know, if you, if you think about it, DJ is great everywhere. He's, you know, he's... But, really the reason why he just gets away with fights is because he can drag these guys into deep waters and just drown them you know he's shown vulnerability time and time again and I also think you know styles really make fights and I think honestly my style is just not as good of a matchup as 
for him as anybody he's ever fought. You know, I, I bring it all to the table. I can strike, I can grapple, I can cut angles, I can match his speed more importantly. And, you know, I have the explosiveness to do so as well. I mean, the scary part for DJ is the fact that he doesn't know when I'm coming into this fight. Like, everyone he's fought has been the same fighter their whole career. And you can't tell me that my last two fights, I'm changing each fight. I'm coming into my own each fight. So my style has changed and has evolved my last couple fights. So who DJ has no clue what you know what he's in for fight night and how much I'm gonna, I've, he's going to see how much I've progressed and the world's going to see how much I've progressed you know in my last three fights. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as you mentioned, the progression alone. I mean, uh, a guy like yourself who's evol- evolving on a day to day basis. Every time you get in there, we're going to see new wrinkles and new facets to your arsenal. Um, but, you know, that, that being said, man, you, you, we talked a little bit about the, the title defense record there. He has the opportunity to break this record of Anderson Silva. I know you intend to spoil that party for him on Saturday, and you've talked about the pressure there, but just give us your thoughts on DJ as a competitor and what he's been able to accomplish so far. You know, DJ as a competitor, you know, he's a, he's a great competitor. I can't really ever say anything bad about DJ. I mean, he's never done anything to embarrass himself on the media. He's never done anything to demolish his uh his reputation he's been a great champion he's done what every champion should which is beat every dude in line uh that was that was next uh he he went through all the the top ranked guys and kept it in the division great champion great outside the cage and you know dj as a champion has been uh, a great role model for for young kids and young fighters but i think i just truly think it's time for a new champ well, we we talked about the pressure there, and, and as you mentioned, the, the, that you have kind of nothing to lose here, and uh, he has everything to lose, the record, the belt, all of these things. Um, so definitely a lot of added pressure on him. Do you think that he's going to maybe fight differently with that in mind, maybe more hesitant, maybe uh, having something to prove? Uh, but what are you expecting from him with these added pressures of the breaking records and things of that nature? Um, I would like to think that he might be a little bit more hesitant, uh, you know, because he needs to play it safe and make sure he breaks this record. He could come in there recklessly, but in all reality, DJ's too smart of a fighter to switch his game plan and his mindset up for a fight. So, you know, I'm expecting to, to fight the same DJ that's been fighting for the last, you know, 11 title or 10 title defenses. Yeah, true. Now, one of the strangest things about uh, Demetrius in the 125-pound division is that even with the guys so dominant like DJ, as the champ, talented guys like yourself in the division, there's unfortunately not been the big pay-per-view uh, numbers and revenue for you guys. What, why do you think that is? I mean, is it ignorance of the common fans for not taking interest? Is the UFC not doing enough to promote you guys? What do you think the, the issue is with that? Um, You know, from, from, from that standpoint, I can't really tell you why it's so hard to promote the 25-pound division. You know, a lot of it is DJ. Uh, for some reason, people just don't like to watch him. I mean, he's a great champion, a great fighter. People just don't like to watch him. I can't tell you why. You know, I don't know what goes through the casual fan's head. You know, they just want to see blood and guts flying everywhere. And to be to, uh, to, to be honest, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of fighters want to see that fighter in him. And DJ's like, you know, he... He has he he presents himself as a great guy, but you know he's into video games. He's a good family man, which nothing's wrong with that at, at all. But for some reason, casual fans want to see you know knuckleheads as champions. Want to see people who can talk and people who can just talk shit all the time. So I mean, 
don't know, maybe it's DJ's lack of being a douchebag. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, we I've talked about that a lot on the show that, uh, you know, watching the sport evolve over the years, originally it was Bushido Co. There was a ton of respect. And now we seem to be in the era of trash talk and guys trying to emulate Conor McGregor and, and make themselves a ton of money. And I'd like to see it go back to the Bushido way, a lot of respect, you, you do your talking in the cage, that kind of thing. Um, but it, it is a strange world we live in for sure, man. Uh, changing gears here. for or Go ahead, go ahead. Did you want to? Uh, yeah, you know, I've, I actually was talking to someone about that actually just yesterday that when I got into MMA as a young kid, I loved MMA because it was about fighting, man. Everyone just got in there, they threw down, and it was a fight. And, you know, it's just slowly become entertainment, you know, which is, you know, it, it, every sport is entertainment, even boxing, but it's losing its, its, its fighting edge. It's losing the mentality of what it is to be a fighter, not just someone who can talk a little bit and fight okay. Right, right. And I'd hate to see it continue to go down this path and eventually you know we become the wwe here and uh but man i i just i just remember those days of hey yes i respect my opponent yes i respect my opponent and there was a lot of love back and forth but they would go in there and throw down like they hated each other you know and uh it, it's it's just a shame to see how, how things have slowly gone the, the opposite direction again though hopefully hopefully things will come back but changing gears here for a moment this fight was uh, almost sidelined by UFC President Dana White and TJ Dillashaw. Both Dana and TJ wanted Demetrius to take a fight with Dillashaw after Cody Garbrandt became injured. Uh, Dana was pretty critical of Demetrius turning down the fight, generated a ton of controversy. They both went back and forth. What was your initial reaction to all of that? Um, my initial reaction was kind of like, what the fuck? Like, you know, TJ trying to overstep people and think that he's, just entitled to to every title shot just because he's been a former champion, which he only def- one. I don't know if people remember that, but he was coming off one win before he fought Burrell the first time. He forgets, you know, he tried to say, I don't deserve the title shot. I think he forgets that no one gave him a damn chance when he fought Burrell. People thought Burrell was just going to maul him. Yeah. And then, you know, even now he's only, he tried to bring up that I was on a two-fight winning streak. And he's only on a two-fight winning streak. And look at him, he's getting, you know, he's getting a title shot. I know he's a former title challenger, but even when he won the belt, he wasn't on a streak, and he didn't even hold the belt for that long. So I took it as a little bit of disrespect on TJ's end. But, you know, other than that, as far as the business side, I just knew I had to kind of relax, let things play out. And really, I wasn't in too much of a rush. Like, although I believe I can beat TJ now at 24 years, So if it didn't happen, it was going to happen eventually, even if I had to take one more fight, two more fights, it didn't matter. So really, I was not really stressed out about it. The only thing that bugged me is if it was going to be like, okay, I wasn't going to fight DJ, whatever, but everyone else in the division was starting to get booked up, and it seemed like I wasn't going to have a matchup that made sense. So that was the only thing that bugged me. But you know what? We, uh, we wrote it out. We let things play out. We stayed out of the drama. We let everybody else have their words with each other, and, you know, it played out in my favor. Yeah, it certainly did, and you didn't have to do much, man. As you said there, you just kind of sat back and watched it all play out, and it worked out in your favor. Um, but this kind of goes along with the trash-talking thing. You know, we're in the era of big money fights. The UFC just sold the company. They need to make a ton of money back for these new investors. So you can see where they're going business-wise, but I don't want to see more and more guys get passed over for title shots to make big money fights that make no sense as far as rankings go and rightful challengers. 
Uh, but Demetrius had repeatedly said that you were the rightful number one contender and that he planned on fighting you. Uh, pretty cool of DJ to stay true to the ranking system and honor that contender spot. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, um, I had mixed feelings about it at first. I wasn't sure if DJ was just trying to using was trying to use me as a negotiation pawn to get more money for the TJ fight. But you know, at the end of it, you know, props for DJ for sticking to his guns and wanting to stamp his legacy in the flyweight. Stayed in his division, took out all the challengers, and then looked for the money fight. Not the guys like you know. Connor, for example, who the hell knows when he's going to fight for, you know, to defend his belt. Like, you know, Connor did win the belts, but I don't really ever see him as champion yet because he has yet to defend any of his belts. Yeah. There's already going to be an interim belt. And honestly, it sounds like they're trying to do a Diaz trilogy fight just for the money, and you know, which is understandable, but that might be at welterweight. Um, you know, probably be at welterweight, maybe at 55. Who knows? But it just, it's a whole lot of shenanigans. So, Props for DJ for avoiding all the shenanigans and staying within his division and trying to, you know, make history the proper way. Yeah, you make a great point there. I mean, I know, uh, I mean, just as a fan, I want to see the McGregor-Diaz trilogy, but what, do you, what what does that do with the title? And, and it is very unfair to hold all these guys up who have been working so hard to get that opportunity to become the champion. And as you said, if it's at 170, what the hell? If it's at 155, does Connor put the belt up and fight a guy who hasn't even been active in a couple of years? Like, I don't know. Very, very, very tough stuff there. Yeah, and that's the same thing I was thinking is, you know, uh, a lot of the times when they're trying to do money fights and, and super fights, you know, it's usually when there's a lack of competition within the division and they need to make some type of big fight to make money and to make it exciting. But, you know, the 55-pound division such a shark tank that, you know, any one of the top contenders could damn well sell a super fight with Connor. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So speaking of Connor, I mean, obviously this huge fight just went down. Um, I've got to ask you, man, what did you think of Mayweather McGregor? What like the fight overall, the stoppage, and Connor's performance? Um, you know, I'm I'm just you know just from a total honest standpoint, Connor did do a lot better than what I thought. He had his moments, but really. I, I'm one of the fighters that agree that Floyd, it was a game plan from Floyd. And, you know, when have you ever seen Floyd with his hands up just marching forward? Never. So I think it was kind of tactics from Floyd. A little bit was, uh, you know, Connor with, you know, good boxing abilities. But I actually called it, man. I called it right before the fight when I was on the MMA Junkie show. And I said Connor just didn't have enough time to properly prepare for boxing. You know, I had prepared for a boxing uh, a fight before my UFC debut. I did a lot of boxing sparring. I know what boxers do and what it's the pace of boxing fights. And I knew that Connor wouldn't have the amount of time to learn how to properly box for 12 rounds, conserve his energy, you know, things like that. And, you know, and it showed during the fight, boxers don't cut weight, really. Floyd came in under, and even when they do cut weight, I think they cut like three pounds. Yeah. You know, Connor looks sunken in. I think, you know, I think the weight, weight cut had a bit to do with it, but. You know, I, I think it was more tactics on Floyd and Floyd and to kind of gas him out the way he did. And the stoppage, uh, you know, that's boxing. Boxing, when you're taking punches like that, there's no standing 10 count whether, unless you're dropped. And when you're just taking damage the way Floyd, the way Connor was, they're going to stop it. And even if they didn't, I think it was very close to Connor getting completely dropped. If not, it would have happened in the later two rounds. So I thought the stoppage was good. You know, Connor performed well for his first boxing fight against, you know, the greatest ever. But, 
you know, I think Floyd did what Floyd wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, you make a couple of great points there. Uh, firstly, with the game plan, a lot of people were talking it up like, oh, Connor landed more than Pacquiao, but it, exactly like you just said there, how many times have you seen Floyd march forward and take punches like that? So I think that lends itself to the amount that, that Connor was able to land. And, uh, yeah, of course, with the stoppage, I mean, if a guy's not going to throw a punch for an entire minute, you've, you've got you've to call the fight. And that's one of the things that a lot of people were talking about leading up to this was uh, Connor being able to find those right times to rest within the fight, within that pace of boxing that he's very unfamiliar with. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they both made a ton of money. They're both laughing all the way to the bank. But in regards to the sports here, I think I think it was good for both sports for the crossover of fans, you know, should generate more interest for both boxing and MMA. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree that the crossover was good for MMA because uh, it was it was something I brought up before that I didn't think it was going to sell well, which it did, but I didn't think it was going to sell as well because, well, uh, MMA fans obviously know who Floyd is, but boxing fans are so hardcore yeah. that they didn't probably know who Connor was. So I actually thought it was it was good because now boxing fans are more educated about MMA, now have more respect for MMA, you know, goes both ways. So I think it was the crossover was really good. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with you, man. Uh, a lot of boxing fans are purists and uh, look, look, do not look kindly at at mixed martial arts. So hopefully that respect was gained. And uh, we can we can just have fans of combat sports in general rather than uh, MMA purists and boxing purists. But listen, you've been more than generous with your time. Just a couple more questions here for you. Uh, assuming you come out of this fight injury-free, how quickly would you like to jump back in there and defend the title? Um, You know, as, as quickly as they need me. I imagine, you know, after I beat DJ, the amount of title defenses that he's had, he'll get an immediate rematch. You know, if he doesn't, you know. I'm ready to go whenever, if I come out injury-free, I'm ready to fight, you know, the, the end of December on the December card, you know, which I'm healthy, I'm young, and I need to take advantage of my body before I start to, you know, start to get a little bit older. So if they needed me to fight in December, December it's on. If they wanted me to wait till February, it's, you know, it's, it, I'm on, you know, right now I'm on their schedule. Uh, other, unless I'm injured, I'm cool with being on the UFC schedule and having them fight, having me fight when they want me to. Yeah, you know, that's actually something I completely forgot to even jot down here for notes, man. If, uh, you know, assuming you get this win, it would kind of only make sense to give DJ an immediate rematch. I mean, that seems to be a high likelihood. Uh, I'm assuming you would have no problem honoring that and giving him an immediate rematch? No, not at all. I would actually, I would love to give him an immediate rematch, primarily because I've said it many, many times. You know, it's one thing to beat DJ. It's another thing to beat him twice. So after I beat him the first time, going back to the, you know, the drawing board and making it even a more decisive win the second time would really prove that I am now the best, you know, pound for pound fighter in the world, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I can only commend you for being willing to do so. I think a lot of guys go out there, you get a big win over a tough opponent like that, and then you just kind of want to move forward and not look in the rearview mirror. But uh, with everything he's accomplished, it's certainly warranted to have that immediate rematch and definitely a fight I'd like to see. I know this fight's going to be good. I can only imagine that a rematch would be just as good. Uh, but without looking past Demetrius at all, aside from him in an immediate rematch, who do you think is the next, uh, the next number one contender next guy in line at 125 pounds? Um, I think as far as what they're doing and what they're accomplishing, 
I th- and like you know, as far as getting new faces in, I think probably Sergio Pettis. But if you want to get real technical on winning streaks and who's been, uh, you know, a big part of the division, I would say Joseph. So honestly, it's hard to say, but I would I would say either between Joseph or uh, Sergio would be next in line. Yeah, yeah, those fights certainly make sense. Uh, and just to touch on uh, the, the stuff with DJ. I know Cody Garbrandt has expressed interest in potentially moving down to 125 pounds. Uh, are those fights that you would be open to moving forward? Uh, clearly honoring the, the ranking system, but uh, maybe a TJ fight, a Cody Garbrandt fight. And have you ever considered potentially moving up as well? Um, yeah, you know, I'd, obvi- I would, I would always entertain those fights if they're going to come down to 25. You know, it, uh, it'd be like taking over the throne as king. You know, I would have to do the duties that the former that comes your way and that presents itself. So if TJ or Cody wanted to jump down, then of course I would never say no to a fight. I never have said no to a fight. Yeah. And um, moving up to 35, I've talked about it before. I mean, we'll just see how my body starts to react as I get older. Like I said, I've been cutting the 25 since I was like, you know, 19. So uh, we'll see how much longer my body can do 25. And if I, if I have to move up to 35, I will. If not, if I can keep getting this cut down and, uh, stay at 25 the rest of my career then i'll stay at 25 unless a good fight presents itself at 135 okay now in regards to september 9th the night of the fight how do you visualize this all playing out and and what's your official prediction um my official prediction is uh i i I really feel like i'm going to rear naked choke him in the third round wow that's uh very specific i mean is there something that that you see i mean is this like a dream you're having when you go to bed and you visualize this it's just a feeling i have man it's just this crazy feeling i have and uh then we've something we've been working on and i just uh i feel good about that prediction yeah okay well that's a solid one man and uh certainly certainly would be a big finish and one hell of a way for you to for you to capture that title uh but for anybody that isn't sure about buying this pay-per-view why should everybody tune in and why is this fight something that nobody should miss uh, I think this fight is, uh, you know, a good fight, great card. You know, people are overlooking the whole card just because they're trying to boycott DJ. And if, you know, if I need to give the fans a reason to buy the card, it's because they spent $100 <laughs> to fucking give McGregor more of a chance to beat Mayweather than they're giving me to fight DJ. So why not buy the card? <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you 100% there, man. That's uh, that's the best analysis I've heard so far. Man, uh, listen. So, again, you've been more than generous with your time. For all the fans out there, where can everybody find you on social media and, and support the Taz Mexican Devil? Yeah, you know, um, everyone, you know, can uh, go ahead and give me a follow at TazMexUFC on Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, you know, you guys can watch the, the rise to the bell and, you know, watch me hold it for a long time. All right, my man. We're looking forward to the fight on, on Saturday, September 9th, going down in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, UFC 215. Ray Borg challenging the pound-for-pound king, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Uh, Again, best of luck. We hope to catch up after a huge win. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go, man? Yeah, you know, I'd like to give a big shout-out to, uh, you know, my sponsors that have been with me since day one, Trent Contney, uh, Damage Control Mouth Guards, Classic Barbershop, my team, Jackson Wink, uh, my my manager, Ali, uh, his team, Dominance MMA, and uh, everyone who's helped me get here along the way. All right, my friend. Again, best of luck on Saturday. Hope you get that strap, and uh, hopefully we get to catch up after a huge win. Uh, Certainly looking forward to it, man. Uh, 
and and again, much appreciated for your time tonight. Hey, no problem, man. Thank you. All right, Penn Nation, there you had it. There you have it, rather. You heard it here first. Ray Borg predicts third round rear naked choke against Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. As you could hear there, that is a confident young stud. Regardless of the outcome, I have no doubt it's going to be a hell of a fight. UFC 215 going down this Saturday, September 9th, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Co-main event to, as he said there, a really, uh, really underrated card. I think the card has potential to be awesome. Look what UFC Rotterdam did. I mean, I know a lot of people weren't terribly interested in that card. Non-stop finishes with a ton of great talent. I have no doubt that UFC 215 uh, will deliver to some level uh, along those lines as well. But yeah, incredibly confident kid. I have no doubt that uh, regardless of, again, getting the victory, it'll be a great fight. But more importantly, I think that this will be one of uh, possibly two or three attempts at the title. If he isn't able to capture the title this time around, um, sky's the limit for Ray. Dedicated hard worker. Great toolkit. Could pose a lot of problems for Demetrius. We'll have to all uh, tune in on Saturday and find out. And by the way, you can tune in at BJPenn.com in our new partnership with Fight TV, F-I-T-E TV. So if you guys are on the go, if you're international, if you just don't feel like ordering through your cable provider, tune in to BJPenn.com. We'll have the fight going for you guys. Check that out. We love you, Penn Nation. Not only is this the fighter's voice, but it's the voice of you guys the fans as well. So coming up next, we talked about him in depth already. The man they call Funky Ben Askren. Incredible performance over the weekend. Dropped some bombs, making big news. Going into retirement, taking on Shinya Aoki in his retirement fight. Will only come back for the number one contender spot, or number one spot rather, to fight the number one in the world. As long as that's man, that as long as that man's name is not Tyron Woodley. So as I said, good conversation. We we uh, recap the win a bit. Talk about the Aoki fight. Talk about the decision to retire. What's next for him outside of fighting? And like I said, I tried to get as much as I could about the executive position, but it seems like he's not ready to to speak about that. He would rather focus on MMA for the time being. And then uh, open up about it later on. So, Penn Nation, this is the fighter's voice, the voice of you guys, the fans. This is BJPenn.com Radio. I'm your host, Kinch. Coming up next, Funky Ben Askren. All right, Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show, 1FC welterweight champ, former Bellator welterweight champ, Probably the most dominant wrestler to have ever competed in mixed martial arts, in my humble opinion. Of course, I'm talking about the funky one, Ben Askren. Ben, thank you very much for taking your time to uh, join us this evening. Greatly appreciated, as always. Before we jump into things, man, how was your Labor Day? Uh, well, I, I was flying on my Labor Day. Um, I was coming home from Shanghai. I stayed one extra day. Um, did some fun stuff with some buddies. And then... Uh, 
headed home, so I didn't get home till like 6 p.m., but it was awesome to see my family and my kids and my dog, so uh, it was a good day. Yeah, I can only imagine. I understand the jet lag from there is, is pretty intense. Uh, so let's waste no time, man. Let's jump right into it. You had another incredible performance, dominant victory over in Shanghai. Give us your thoughts on your performance. Uh, I, I was extremely happy with my performance. I went out there and executed my game plan damn near to perfection. Uh, like you said, I didn't get hit one time. I, I laid quite a few hits on him. I'm not sure, exactly sure what the count was, but it was quite a few. Uh, ref stopped in the second round. So, yeah, I was I was really happy. Yeah, you know, the pace, the, the, the trapping the arm there, uh, all the unanswered strikes. I mean, why do you think you've been able to beat these guys so easily? Well, I, actually, funny enough, this guy, BJJ Scout, did a few breakdowns, five breakdowns to be exact on me. And uh, kind of laid out, I felt like he was inside my brain a little bit because he laid out my game plan without uh, without me telling him what it was. And, um, you know, I'm kind of doing some things that nobody else is doing. There's a pretty cool incorporation of folk-style wrestling that you know, allows me to strike for more effective positions than a lot of people are in MMA. And I think, I think that's the key is a lot of people aren't ready for it because I am doing it quite a bit differently. Yeah, you know, in regards to pace, uh, the amount of volume that you're able to put out and the amount of energy that you're exerting, it's a very calculated thing that I don't think a lot of people can uh, replicate in this sport of MMA. So kudos to you on that, of course. Um, but it's Tuesday, man. You told everybody after the fight that all of your uh, wrestling students should be ready to go on Tuesday. How hard you work them? Oh, I, I just finished, actually. Um didn't go that hard actually so right now is uh uh we don't have tournaments for a while so actually right now is more of a technical period we have a really technical focus and practice i did get on them because i didn't have the intensity of focus that i, I would have liked them to have um when, when we we're going over technique but yeah right so right now it's a it's a technical point of the season it's a time for us to get better improve in certain areas um and, and make progress because we don't have any competitions coming up for i, I think it's six weeks for our next competition yeah, you know, it's just something I found funny. Uh, after a big win like that, the first thing that you think of uh, is to remind your boys that you'll they'll be back to work when you get home. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is uh, this is what I really like doing. So, you know, it's just almost uh, happy to get in here because I I had pulled myself out for uh, for about six weeks. I think I pulled myself out and didn't really coach very much because I wanted to focus on myself. Yeah, you know, and coaching ties into the retirement, which is uh, something I wanted to touch on here in uh, just a moment. But in regards to fighting in Shanghai, uh, mainland China, you know, last time we spoke, uh, we talked a bit about uh, building your brand in the Asian market and how effective you've been with that. Tell us about uh, performing in Shanghai and the experience for you. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Um, obviously, it's a brand new market. They've never won championship has never been there before, so I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, yeah, I, you know, I kind of went out into the arena during the second fight, and it, it was packed. I mean, I would say from the second fight, it was like 80% full. And then, so, uh, man, it was uh, it was a great crowd. For sure. So it was announced after the fight that uh, you intended to retire after your following fight, uh, one more left on your contract, and that you'd also be getting an executive position with the company, uh, 1FC. 
but before, I, I guess first, let's talk about the decision to retire. I, I believe you said on Helwani's show that it was something you had had in mind for about two years now. Um, and, you know, you also talked about uh, needing to have a plan for retirement and actually sticking to it as well. Yeah, this was on a plan for two years. You know, I kind of, when I was, when I was way younger, I was just 30, you know, so this 30, 30 is actually pretty damn young. So I, I pushed it for a few extra years, but this feels like the right time. Um, and, you know, there's, there's saying that, you know, everyone, uh, time is undefeated against everybody. There's that saying, right? Yeah. But it's, uh. You know, if you, if you go fight by fight, there's not a decrease in performance, a huge decrease in performance after every single fight, right? It does, it's not like it happens and you fall off a freaking cliff. It's just you get a little worse and you get a little worse and you get a little worse. Um, and then all of a sudden you're not very good anymore, right? And I didn't want that to happen. So, uh, yeah, so I made the plan. I'm sticking to it. I feel really good about it. Um, yeah, so I'm happy. Yeah, I know you talked about uh, being aware of your body and, and uh, not staying in this sport too long and, and knowing when to hang them up and uh, all of those things. But and you also talked about uh, wanting to coach and spend time with your family. But in regards to your family and your students, uh, did they know all along that, that this was going to be happening? Um, anyone who had talked to me at, the, at my academy, yeah, I'm totally honest with those guys. So, yeah, I told, I told them two more uh, before my last one. And, uh, yeah, so, so everybody, pretty much everyone in my inner circle knew that that was going to be the case. So tell us about the preparation for all of this for two years or so. I mean, has it taken away any of your uh, desire to train or go out there and perform? Freaking hate training. That's part of the reason I'm retiring. <laughs> uh, I love, when I was younger, I loved, freaking loved it. I mean, I couldn't get enough, but I wanted to be there every single day. And now it, it's freaking tedious. It's a chore. I'm very, very intensely disciplined. So I, I don't miss workouts, and that you know that's part of the reason I've been able to stay successful so long. Is I just, I just I get disciplined. I don't I don't miss anything, um, but I don't like it. I don't really like it very much. I, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think you hear that from any guy that is or uh, girl rather that is truly honest about this sport. Uh, after a while, I don't think really anybody enjoys uh, the grueling training uh, that goes on for MMA. Uh, but it was announced after the fight to everybody's pleasant surprise that. You'd be taking on Shinya Aoki for your final fight. Uh, could you tell us uh, how long have you known that uh, Shinya was going to be the opponent? I didn't know about. It. I didn't know about. It. I didn't know about it before then. Um, you know, after my after my post fight speech, I said I don't really know who's next. There's not really someone who really makes good sense at, at my weight class. I'm willing to change weights to fight someone. Kinda, I'll fight anybody, which I've always said that. Yeah. Um, and then the next day they called me and they said, "Well, what about Shinya?" And I said, "Well, that's awesome. You know, you, you know, it's kind of weird, a little bit weird because we have trained together at Evolve, but at the same time, you know, that's been kind of minimal. It's maybe five to ten workouts tops. And uh, and he's a huge name. And he's a legend in the sport. And that was someone, you know, he was fighting well before I did. So it's someone that I remember watching um, when I was still wrestling. I wasn't even fighting. Yeah, you know, obviously I wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, the matchup overall, but uh, given the fact that you've uh, been in the gym where been in the gym with him and uh, had some familiarity with him, uh, is there anything that you say you would say you could take away from those training sessions uh, that you could capitalize on? Um, yeah, of course there is, of course. But you know, I think I think everything goes back with me goes back to I do what I do well, and that's what I'm going to do over right. and over and over and over again. 
That's true. Yeah, very true, very true. Uh, repetition makes perfect or uh, something close to it. But I'd imagine that you're uh, pretty excited for this fight. It's certainly a uh, grappling fan's uh, dream matchup or one of or one of possible dream matchups, if you will. Uh, give us your thoughts on your how your guys' uh, skills uh, will clash together and how do you think the fight will go once you finally step into the cage? Sure. Yeah, he, he's, he's a, like you said, he's a legend. Um, he's one of the best grapplers to ever do it. Um, when he had that grappling super fight with uh, Gary Tonin, who is, you know, Gary Tonin's about as high level as it gets, he controlled the majority of the match until the, you know, the heel hook yeah. in the second, not second period. It was, it was a little while into the fight until uh, Tonin hit the heel hook. But, you know, he's strong, he's tough. I, I just feel like, um, I feel like I bring something unique to the table. Um, and he's seen a little bit of it, but he, has, he hasn't seen all of it. Uh, and that's, you know, kind of the new style that I'm employing. It's, it's got a, it's got a jiu-jitsu feel, but it's also got a strong folk-style wrestling feel to it, which uh, very, very few people are uh, are able to emulate. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you 100%, man. I mean, uh, what you've been able to bring to the table has uh, never been replicated before in the sport of mixed martial arts. But in regards to the grappling, you know, uh, folk-style wrestling versus a traditional style or focus of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, when you think about the matchup between a BJJ-focused athlete and a guy with a wrestling background like yourself, uh, does anything really stand a chance to American wrestling? Um, well, you know, obviously it depends on what the contest is, but if we're talking mixed martial arts, I, I think that mixed martial arts, folk-style wrestling, trumps everything because your ability to control the top position is... Um, it makes you so effective. You know, being on bottom works in grappling, but it, it doesn't work in fighting because you just get punched in the face repeatedly. Right. The days the days where Coast Guard wins fights, um, man, that's been... Uh... Yeah, I agree, man. You don't really see that anymore. Uh, offensive, uh, attacking off of the back. Uh, most of the time now a guy gets a dominant position. He can land strikes, stifle any type of offense from the person on the ground, on their back. Uh, but to stick with Aoki for a second here, I'm wondering what fight, uh, what weight rather, is this fight going to be contested at? It's going to be my weight um, because he, you know, he's going to come up and challenge for the title. It obviously doesn't. I couldn't make the weight below me, um, and so for uh, for you know for for us to meet somewhere in the middle doesn't make sense when I got the damn belt. Yeah. You know, and so it doesn't. So it only makes sense for him to come up and, and challenge for the belt. Well, we talked about Aoki as uh, his name and, and what he brings to the table and his uh, his marketability uh, going into this fight. But I'm wondering, as far as uh, quality of opponent, uh, are you uh, happy and satisfied getting Aoki for your final fight? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, he's a legend. Um, he's obviously champion and won championship for three years. So, yep, 100% content. Now, something else you had mentioned uh, this week with Ariel Hawani was uh, that the only way you'd come out of retirement was for a number one spot as long as the guy's name wasn't Tyron Woodley. I'm wondering, what's the cutoff time for something like that? I don't know. I, you know I'm going to be around the sport of wrestling. I'll be staying in shape. Um, I don't have too many bad habits, you know, drinking or drugs or anything like that. So I, I imagine I'll stay relatively young. Um, so I, I don't know that I have a cutoff time. So looking at the possibility of maybe uh, Woodley never losing or uh, relinquishing the title, I mean, aside from the number one spot, is there any other fight that you would consider maybe 
uh, something like a like a GSP or a or a big name fight like that. I know you and I have talked I about that briefly. Number but... one. That's it. That, the, the, name, the name doesn't matter. So not not a big the payday. Name, none the name of that. Is irrelevant. Okay, so payday doesn't matter. It would just be the chance to get the number I, I got one enough spot. money. If I needed more money, I'd be fighting. That's why a lot of these dummies fight so long. It's because they can't do anything else. That's true. That's true. Not, my, not how much you make. It's how much you keep. <laughs> yeah. And we don't see enough conservative spending in this sport, that's for sure. Um, so I don't know if you can answer this one, but when you look back on your career, uh, if you could think of one fight that you would wish you had been able to to, to get uh, throughout your career, one fight, one opponent that you wish you could have been able to fight, who would that guy be? Johnny, when he was number one. Johnny Hendricks. I genuinely don't like him. I would have loved to fight him. Okay. Now that that's mm-hmm. just a personal dislike or a style thing for you, or yeah, per- personal dislike. Okay. But that was, uh, you know, obviously he's significantly diminished from from what he was. But you know, he was number one for a little bit there. I think what was that 2014, maybe or so. Yeah. Now, I mean, does that does that stem from uh, the accusations of steroid use, how he carries himself? No, or? we wrestled. We wrestled in high school. He beat me in high school, and then. I never got the chance to pay him back in college wrestling when we were young. He's there. Oklahoma State was a rival to us. Oh, okay. So this is this is a, that would be a grudge match for you. Yeah, for okay. sure. So another big portion to the announcement of your retirement was that you would be getting an executive p- position within the company at at One FC within the promotion. Uh, I'm wondering, can you tell us anything about that? Uh, what exactly is the position, and and what will your duties be? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that. Uh, I'm not gonna discuss that until after my fight. Once we just, once I finish my career, I'm gonna focus on my career now. Once I finish my career, then I'll discuss that more at length. But right now, I'm just focused on MMA. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I guess just to stick with this here for a second. I'm wondering, was this something you had already discussed, you know, like uh, two years ago when you were considering retirement or or told the company that you wanted to retire? How long has this been in the works? Um, I brought it up more recently, you know, if, they, if there would be a possibility of that. And, they, you know, they said, once your career's over, let's talk about it. And so, um, yes, that's what's going to happen. Okay. Well, regardless, it's pretty cool of them to offer you such a position and to do something like that for you. Um. It just speaks volumes that they go above and beyond for their fighters at 1FC, and I'm sure you'd agree with yeah. that. Yeah, and I'm going to do real work. I'm not going to be like uh, some of these other jabronis that just, like, show up and smile. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually planning on doing real work. I, I wouldn't want a position where I actually didn't contribute anything to the greater good. And it's another way for you to stay heavily involved in a sport that you love as well. Sure. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Now, is there any chance at all that there's a Lamborghini included in this executive deal? <laughs> Not that I know. I wouldn't drive a Lamborghini. That's ridiculous. <laughs> all right, man, just a couple more questions here for you. You've been uh, more than generous with your time, as always. Uh, when you look back at your career, what do you want your legacy to say? I mean, when, when people or uh, young athletes look, look, look back at your career, what do you want them to take away from it, and what do you want your students to uh, take away from your MMA career? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think legacy is never determined by yourself. It's determined by other people. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know that my my kids are going to garner much from my MMA career. They're going to garner a lot more from from what I tell them every single day. And I guess the one angle you can take with that is uh, at least, they, you know, they get to see that I, I practice what I preach to them. I actually do myself. Um you know, in competition, in training. 
Yeah, I know you guys spoke about it uh, t- today in that interview with Helwani. You know, you mentioned uh, never turning down a fight, never missing weight, never failing a drug test. I mean, th- those are all things that any good athlete should aspire to be. And I think uh, sure. I think a lot of guys could take a page out of your book moving forward as a guy who came in, did what he had to do, made his money, and got out. Um, Definitely. So when you when you when you think of uh, up and coming fighters and athletes, what message would you give them to replicate your accomplishments, or for that matter, maybe even a, a younger version of yourself? What kind of advice would you give them? Uh, you know, be a, be a person of your word. Do what you say and say what you mean. Right? And that's that's kind of what I've always done. You know, something else I meant to ask you was, uh, do you see yourself entering uh, some grappling tournament tournaments rather uh, in your post MMA career? Um, I don't know about tournaments. Maybe I'll do a match or two somewhere here or there. I don't have any plans to do it, but uh, you know, I'll probably need to do something at least moderately competitive to keep myself uh, in shape and working hard. So I don't know what that's going to be yet. True. Well, immediately what came to mind for me would be something like an EBI or uh, something like that. I think you would be great I think the rules for those things are moronic, so I might pass on that. Really? What, uh, what's your gripe with the EBI style of ruling? It's so stupid. It's like, because, well, the reason it, they, 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 they're acceptable of it is because jiu-jitsu scoring is so ridiculous. I mean, you, you won't find a folk-style wrestling match... Um, where people say, oh, my God, the other guy should have won because the scoring is an effective reflection of what happens in the bout, right? And so the notion that scoring is irrelevant and the only way you can win is by pin, and if I tie the wrestling, say I beat you 19-3, to 3, right, but I didn't pin you, so then we need to go to some overtime, and then you get lucky and you pin me and you win even though I, I dominated you? That's just, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, that's an interesting... So what, what, yeah, what really needs to happen is jiu-jitsu needs to have a scoring system that effectively demonstrates who the winner is. Because you don't see that in wrestling. There's not a wrestling score that's 11-3, and you're like, wow, the other guy should have won. Like, everyone is satisfied with the scoring system, so people don't complain that there's not a pin, because we're all accepting that it's an adequate scoring system to determine the winner. And you'd also never see a guy put in a compromised position in order to get that kind of finish either, so... Uh... Yeah, yeah, you make a great point there, but uh, I, I guess to go back to Aoki, I mean, how do you see that fight playing out? And uh, you know, w- when you visualize it, would it be just another typical Ben Askren dominant on top, trapping an arm and, and pounding yeah. away for the win? Yeah, I mean, I, I really obviously he's dangerous, so so I got to stay on my toes. But you know, I, I try to make a habit of that. So I, I just got to mind my p's and q's because he is dangerous, and if I let him get one of his better positions, that could cause me some trouble. So. Really just, yeah, Ben Askren performance and really just staying on my toes and be, being ready for everything that comes at me. Okay, and has there been a timetable discussed for this fight? I'm assuming it will be before yeah, the November, end of November 24th. Oh, November, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize that they yeah. announced it. Where Where is that Yeah, November 24th. Singapore. Oh, wow, awesome. Cool, man. Well, perfect, yep. perfect way to wrap up the career then. Yes, sir. All right, my friend. Listen, greatly appreciate the time. Certainly looking forward to the next fight and all that the future has in store for you. Can't say enough about the career and, and the type of example that you lead, my friend. Uh, any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go? No, I'm happy. I just uh, appreciate the opportunity to come on the show. So I will talk to you later. All right, my friend. Greatly appreciate it, and uh, you have a good night. Thanks a lot, bud. All right, Penn Nation. 
Funky Ben Askren. Good conversation with a very intelligent character like himself. Again, wish uh, wish we could have got some info on the, on the executive position, but I understand him wanting to keep it close to the fest. However, I found it funny that he said uh, he'll be actually showing up to work with a real job, unlike some of these jabronis. I think we know who he's talking about, but uh, funny stuff nonetheless. So, incredible career for the guy. Can't say enough about him. The words of Frank Sinatra, he did it his way. Well, I guess I'm kind of... Yeah, you know what I mean. I did it my way. Frank Sinatra, Ben Askren have that in common. Incredible accomplishments and dominant performances. And just to stick with it for a moment here, it is a, it is truly a shame to me that we will not have had seen Ben Askren in the UFC competing with the guys that, that many of us consider the best in the world at 170 pounds. I think almost nobody, I mean, I really can't, I really cannot think of anybody that could hang with his wrestling. I mean, it is so dominant and you heard him talk about it there. I'll have to check out that breakdown he mentioned, but uh, you heard him talk about it there. He's doing things that nobody else is doing. And you can see that evident in every one of his fights. I mean, just little I know there's a lot more than just little things, but little nuances to his game. I mean, just knowing when to grab an arm to, to lock a guy down and hold that position. And I mean, just what he did in his last fight, he held the guy's arm kind of seat belted across his own face and pounded away. I mean, what a way to trap an arm and make easy work of what you're, what you're trying to do there, which is pummel the other guy. I mean, the far side arm can't defend the near arm is tied up blocking your mouth so you can't breathe and you're just banging away at the top of the dome. I mean, the guy's brilliant, dominant, can't say enough about him, stand-up character, and man, all the best to, to, to Ben Askren, and I'm certainly looking forward to the Shinya Aoki fight. Another legend of the sport, one of the best grapplers that never came to the UFC. So in that sense, it's a very fitting uh, match for both of those gentlemen. Interesting stuff about EBI, though. I was expecting him to be interested in, or uh, uh, I was expecting him to want to enter those kinds of uh, submission grappling events, but it appears he does not like the the scoring system, the judging, the the, the way it is uh, calculated, tabulated at the end of it. So, I mean, he makes a great point. I don't know. Had me thinking. I'll certainly have to ponder on it more. But on behalf of the whole team, Chris, Tom, Russ, Scott, Justin, the whole squad at BJPen.com. I'm Jay Kinch. This has been another great episode of BJPen.com Radio, the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans. We appreciate all the love and support. We'll be back next week with another great show. Make sure you guys like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Google+. Set up a bookmark for bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Set up alerts so every time we drop some new news, some new news.
some breaking news. You guys get it first. Big mahalo to both of our guests, Ray Borg and Ben Askren. And tune in next week for more of what you crave from the sport you love. This is BJPenn.com Radio signing off for another week. We'll catch you guys next Wednesday. Peace out, everybody.
kahi manu noho ai kai Ki ai makala e o ke kaha Hoia kai palana mali Uliri e ahana The big wireless companies sold you an outdated plan tied to long-term contracts and mystery fees. Simple Mobile's different. You get a lightning-fast 4G LTE nationwide network with no contract ever. And keep the phone and number you love. Just text the word BYOP to 611611 to see if your phone is compatible. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. Standard text message and data rates may apply based on your mobile phone service. Please refer always to the privacy policy at simplemobile.com slash privacy policy and the terms and conditions at simplemobile.com slash terms and conditions.